Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. It's week two of ways to improve our nutrition and possibly improve our lives. And I have Vivian Aronowitz on the line again. We talked last week about plant-based meals. What are some of the ways you can get protein from plants? Spinach is actually a good source of protein. And Vivian, you mentioned something that I never really thought about. Where do animals get their protein? They often get it from plants. So ways that we can really try and look at incorporating more plants into our diet. Now, I want to talk about this program, this challenge that you have going on. We didn't touch on it last week just yet. The Meals to Meals Challenge, what is that about? Well, um, I'm delighted to be back with you. First of all, I want to thank you for having me on again. Um, So as the um, pandemic started, I began to hear from patients that they were doing a lot of stress eating on one hand. And on the other hand, I was observing the long lines of cars waiting to get food for those people whose food insecurity had bumped up substantially, you know, all those that had lost their jobs and weren't sure where the, the next meal was coming from. And I thought, how can we put those two things together? So I gathered up a few friends, and uh, they helped me put together this program, which I call the Meal to Meals Challenge. And it's a way that those who have kind of fallen off the wagon during this time, and it's been a stressful time for all of us, um, but to get them excited about um, getting healthy again, taking control of their eating, and thinking about saving some of that money that they were spending, you know, on, on, on the junk food and some unhealthy things and getting back to eating healthy foods and then donating some of that money to those in need. And it's very similar when we do the Race for a Cure or any of those other uh, programs that people get involved in um, improving their health and then raising money for a cause. So I thought of it as a nutritional equivalent to that. And um, and a fun thing to do to gather up friends. You know, obviously we all have to do it remotely, but um, as a way to take a 30-day challenge. And, you, you know, we started a week ago, but you could really start any time and think about donating a dollar a day to the food bank or here on Hawaii Island, the food basket, and commit to um, an action that will really improve your health. So we came up with um, four different choices um, that you could do. You could do all of them if you want. Um, But one of them is um, to think about healthier snacking, because that was one of the issues that came up a lot. So choosing healthier snacks and also the timing of your snacks, because a lot of people will eat those unhealthy snacks at nighttime when um, they're watching TV and then they're going to bed, and if you have diabetes, you know, you end up with high blood sugars in the morning. Some people have reflux. You know, they go to bed and they haven't digested the food and, and feel uncomfortable. 
Um, then um, the other thing you could choose to do is to try to ramp up your exercise. So these are sort of some of the basics, um, which may have been harder for some people because their gym is closed or you can't get out as easily. But to just start building up again to taking some walks, we're able to go in the ocean, um, do some different things. And then um, plant-based eating, which we already discussed a little bit, is a great way to improve your health, as we had talked about, and also has a much lighter impact on the environment, which is so important. We're all becoming more aware of climate change, and um, you can start growing some more of your own food. And then also the concept of intermittent fasting, which you, you had indicated you wanted to talk about some more, so we can discuss that. So just choose one of those, make a pledge to your food basket, your food bank, and, and then take 30 days to start working on these. And I have a step-by-step -step guide on my website, um, which you can get to by just going to inshapehi.com which will link to my name, and, um, and then you'll see the banner for the Meals to Meals Challenge. We also have a Facebook page of the same name, Meals to Meals Challenge, which has some information and then has daily inspirations to help you stay on track. Yeah, the daily inspiration, I'm going to say I need that right now. I mean, it's just one of those things where it sounds great, and then you get hungry. And then you're looking around and somebody brought cookies or somebody brought something that you probably shouldn't eat. What is a red vine? I don't even know what that is. It's not even real licorice. I'm not even quite sure. But when it's there in front of you, you decide you want some red vines. So when you think about committing to one of those four, the one I thought we could spend a little time on Intermittent fasting. Now, we know that plant-based meals are going to be helpful. They're good for your diet. They help to make sure that you're not activating, well, hard to say, but we know that they don't activate some of the negative genes that some of us may have inherited that could lead to other medical conditions. So when you eat plants, you may not have those same genetic influences like you would if you were eating you know, a purely meat-based diet or having a lot of the other types of things that your body processes and turns into things that aren't as healthy. When we talk about healthier snacking, not eating after a certain time at night, not having snacks before you go to bed, they seem intuitive, exercise, very few side effects, generally good for the health. But a lot of people have some questions about intermittent fasting. What is it about eating at certain hours that could actually mean that your body would handle it better? I mean, I can understand not eating before you go to bed, you know, then you're not really using those calories and it just kind of gets absorbed and sits in your body. But is there something that intermittent fasting does that resets metabolism or insulin production? Or how does that actually help your body by just picking certain hours when you eat? Right. Well, there is um, a lot more research going on about this. And there are a variety of ways to do it. But what seems to be um, the most doable for a lot of people is really uh, cold time-restricted eating. In other words, you decide you're only going to eat during certain time during the day, and then you're giving your body a lot more time to rest. And 
insulin levels do go down, you know, during that time that you're not eating, and um, it is extremely helpful for the metabolism. Um, so our insulin sensitivity, which is our ability to use insulin better, uh, and which insulin resistance, the opposite, is actually the underlying cause of type 2 diabetes, that sensitivity is much greater in the morning. We are affected by the circadian rhythms and light um, uh, during the day. And so our digestive process and our insulin sensitivity is better early in the day and then starts to wane as it gets later. So we want to take advantage of that. A lot of people skip breakfast, they may even skip lunch, and then they you know, backload most of their calories later in the day, and that isn't really good for you, as you already mentioned. You don't have time to burn off, digest, and... Um, and then you, you know, end up um, not sleeping well, high blood sugars in the morning. Whereas if you can eat in the earlier part of the day and complete your eating, certainly in, in daylight hours, you're going to do a lot better. So the first step that people could take is to just try to keep the eating within a 12-hour period and not go beyond that. And that creates some kind of limitation, okay, I started breakfast at 7, I'm going to try to finish eating by 7. That, that is just a good place to start. And you finish dinner, brush your teeth, close the kitchen door if that's a possibility. And like I, say, I said last week, step away from the television when those commercials come on. And if you don't have those unhealthy snacks in the house, if you really want them, you're going to have to get in your car and that's, you know, when you've got time to think about not doing it, it's going to help you because then you don't get that instant gratification just walking into the kitchen. And then you can back up um, to a shorter time period than 12 hours, maybe go to, you know, 10 hours, start breakfast just a tiny bit later and have dinner a little bit earlier if that's possible. Uh, you really don't want to go to less than six hours. And you do want to make sure you have at least two meals so you can get nutritional adequacy. And people do find that they tend to eat better because once you're doing that, you know, your motivation will grow. But, you, you know, you need to be prepared. You need to carry your food with you if you're eating during the day at work so that you can, you know, get get that food in during that time and you're not ravenous um, and then, you know, get tempted by all kinds of things. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak and we're talking today with Vivian Aronowitz and this is part two of our nutritional series. And right before the break, we were just talking about intermittent fasting. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what types of foods can you eat during that time frame? Are there certain food groups that you can focus at different times of the day? And should anybody truly eliminate a food group from their diet 100%? Maybe not so much. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Stay with us. We'll be right back here on The Body Show.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here talking with Vivian Aronowitz, and we're talking about ways that we can improve our nutrition. Now, right before the break, we talked about intermittent fasting, how to eat during certain times of the day, not maybe right before you go to bed, and then shorten that interval to something no shorter than six hours, maybe somewhere between six to eight or 10 hours, and focus your nutrition so that you can use those calories for energy and make sure you're getting in enough foods that will sustain your body. Now, Vivian, there's a lot of talk that people have about certain food groups, and certainly we know that we need a, a certain amount of fats in our diet, a certain amount of protein, a certain amount of carbohydrates, but some folks feel like we should eliminate all of a certain food group. In your almost four decades of nutritional experience, is there ever a situation where we should eliminate a food group 100%, and why does it seem to get pretty popular? Well, I think that people often are looking for quick fixes. You know, the next exciting thing, that's why diet books um, make a fortune, the, the authors of those books, and a lot of times they will jump on some little thing and, and make um, a whole big deal about it, but it's actually not evidence-based. Um, you know, the Blue Zones, uh, most of us are familiar with here, Hawaii, because our whole state is a blue zone state, and those are the places in the world where people have the greatest longevity and health, and those diets are mostly plant-based, and they're very high in carbohydrates. The carbohydrates are maligned because people think of them as one group. When they think of carbohydrates, they're thinking of sugars, they're thinking of white flour, and certainly... We don't want to be focusing on those foods. There's a term that um, Dr. Roseanne Oliveira, who's a professor of nutrition in the School of Medicine at at UC Davis in California, uh, she talks about stripped carbohydrates. And I actually like that term because it's it's very visual, means a lot has been taken away from it. So carbohydrate foods that we think of, those starchy vegetables, they actually were a part of the pre-contact diet in Hawaii, um, the taro, the breadfruits, the sweet potatoes, those are extremely healthful foods, and they have a good balance of nutrition, protein, carbohydrates, fiber, minerals, and vitamins. And those are actually the kinds of foods, and you get a variety in different parts of the world, especially including the legumes, which are extremely healthful, that have sustained a lot of people on the planet um, for a very long time and, and more healthfully than other foods. Um, we don't want to be eating a lot of fat. You know, isolated fats, isolated sugars um, are really, I think, the cause of a lot of problems that people have. And then, you know, eating a lot of animal protein, as we talked about before, um, is very inflammatory and also does take a big toll on the environment. And we're seeing, you know, what has happened during this pandemic in some of the meat processing uh, plants and also some of the confined animal operations. Those things are taking a big toll on our planet and also on us personally. So the more we move to plants and whole foods, as we mentioned before, you know, the better off we're going to be 
personally and as a as citizens of, of, of Earth, really. Well, and you brought up a good point, which is not all carbohydrates are the same. People may think that a carbohydrate is a simple sugar, but they forget that there's complex carbohydrates. There's different ways that our body metabolizes some of these products. And if we grow it ourselves, we have, you know, the whole food concept, you know, the idea that this is something that is coming directly from nature and it's not really being processed. I think sometimes the thought is that all carbohydrates are processed, but actually not necessarily. You mentioned some of the starchy vegetables and things that actually do give us some of the nutrients that we need. So eliminating going full on keto diet may actually eliminate some of the healthy foods that you need. Eliminating all fats, going in a zero fat diet. Again, olive oil, certain fats are seen to be omega-3. They're seen to actually be good for our bodies. So when people think about starting a different dietary routine, I think that's where people in the nutrition profession come in. You can really help target somebody's dietary changes to specifically what their medical conditions require. Diabetic patients may need fewer simple simple carbohydrates, maybe more complex foods that help them to meet their nutritional needs. Those who have gout, for example, may need to avoid eating a lot of animal products. Those people with kidney disease should look to other sources for protein. We've talked about spinach before, how much protein actually is in that. So that the the medical conditions that you have may drive some of the changes in nutrition and best to really talk with a professional to kind of get to know a little bit more about that so that you're not guessing on your own. I, I agree, yes. Um my fellow registered dietitian nutritionist, we have um, quite a few on the island uh, and that are available, um, you know, within Kaiser Permanente. There are others in, in private practice and um, at some of the clinics can really help you. But um, I, I do want to just reiterate that for many of these conditions, removing the inflammatory foods um, will be helpful. So it's not really a separate diet for one disease or another. I mean, there are, of course, are exceptions to that. But um, when you uh, avoid the processed foods, highly salted foods, foods with a lot of added fat, it can benefit most of the chronic diseases that people are facing here on the islands. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. When we come back, we're going to talk some more with Vivian Aronowitz about what are some of the other pearls of wisdom that she has learned after almost four decades of being in nutrition science. And we're going to talk a little bit about prebiotics and probiotics. What are they? Where can you get them? And how might that also change some of your dietary habits? We'll be right back.
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I am joined for part two of our nutrition series with Vivian Aronowitz. She is a certified diabetes educator and nutritionist with almost four decades of experience, and we've been talking about different ways to improve your diet. There are some things we could have less of in our diet, and there are some ways we can actually change our taste buds to no longer crave certain things. And you mentioned before that if you don't eat a certain food for a while, and it might be something that's not on the healthy variety, then maybe you won't crave it so much. In fact, by eating it regularly, we're sort of becoming somewhat, I hate to say the word, addicted to that particular food. There are studies that have shown that people get the same highlights in their brain and areas of joy when they eat their favorite food as some people might get from other illicit drugs and other substances. So I know I'm guilty of getting way too excited about chocolate sometimes. But there are some ways we can make some simple steps in our diet. Would it be would it be a responsible thing to consider maybe doing a small shift? I mean, I know that it's best if I just eliminate Snickers bars entirely. But if I couldn't do that, Vivian, what if I sort of set certain days that I would eat really healthy? Is that a good way to sort of get your toe in the water and sort of start this process and then find that maybe you feel differently on days you eat better than others? Absolutely. You know, whatever steps you're willing to take uh, can help you on that journey. So, you know, one thing, if you like your chocolate, what about having a small piece and having some fresh fruit with that? So, Yum. you know, the, the idea of having half your plate be fruits or vegetables, and apply that to snacks as well. So if you're going to have, you know, a more processed snack, say, okay, can I have a smaller portion of that and add in, you know, some fresh fruit? We talked previously about all the wonderful fruits that we have on the island. And actually, whole fruit is really perfectly fine to eat. And uh, research with people with diabetes um, the ones that eat fruit actually do better than those that don't. So sometimes people think they cannot have fruit if they uh, have diabetes. But as long as it's a whole fruit, you're getting the fiber. And that's actually one of the key things that we haven't focused on in our conversation, but you did say you wanted to talk about the prebiotics. That's where you're getting the prebiotics that are feeding those good bacteria. Is uh, The prebiotics come in all the different fibers. And that's helping to build that positive microbiome um, that is our bacteria signature that is so protective and so beneficial for us. So now fiber is more than just like bran muffins. I mean, how am I getting fiber if I'm eating fruits and vegetables? And am I inadvertently removing the fiber if I'm like taking all those little pieces off of an orange and or, you know, taking away parts of a fruit? Well, the more the whole fruit you can eat, I'm not suggesting you eat the skin of oranges or bananas. or. Well, that's like good, because that. I'm not going to do that, Vivian. <laughs> no, Even if you no. tell me to, I'm not. No. Okay. No, no. But like no, an I'm apple, you can eat the skin of an apple? Right. But just eating eating the whole fruit, eating legumes, which we haven't focused on that much, legumes, beans, lentils are fantastic sources of fiber and soluble fiber. So I 
explain to people the way to know when something has soluble fiber when you cook it, like you open up a can of beans or you cook beans, the liquid becomes thick. That is the soluble fiber that is coming out um, into the liquid and causing that thickening. And that soluble fiber is so beneficial for diabetes, for heart disease, and you know for feeding the microbiome. And uh, potatoes, oats, all those do that same kind of thing. So they're soluble and insoluble, and they all have they have different roles, but they're really important. Fiber, I believe, is really the key to health. And uh, I think um, people don't see it in that way. They may think they can take a supplement of fiber and they're, you know, helping themselves. But the best way is to get it in in the whole food and the least processed food. Some of those wonderful whole grains. You know, brown rice, quinoa, uh, there's all different ones, millet, amaranth, amaranth uh, rye. You know, people sometimes are just very narrow in what they take, but there are masses of ones out there. So the fiber is helping the prebiotics, which are basically the food sources of the probiotics. So probiotics would be those good bacteria in the gut, kind of help us with digestion, and they kind of help us in, in some ways, you know, I heard this interesting uh, lecture, and they talked about how if the bacterial microbiome in your body is craving a certain type of food, let's just say sugar, it will actually send messages to your body that make you crave sugar. So if you have the wrong microbiome, it could be controlling your life. But exactly. if you are able to figure out how to balance that microbiome, you could wind up taking back control of the types of foods that you crave so that you'll actually want to eat peas or broccoli or carrots because you're craving something in it and you're not necessarily getting led astray by these bacteria in your gut that want you to eat something else. So it almost made me feel good. It made me feel like, okay, the reason that I might be craving a piece of cake is not my fault. It's the bacteria. It's the bacteria's fault. But then if I give into it, it kind of is my fault again. Well, it's it becomes self-fulfilling because the more you have them, the more you are going to have a predominance of those bacteria that are then going to want to be fed those foods. So you know, you have to kind of take a step back and say, okay, um, I want to make that change. And sometimes it could be an event in a person's life, you know, a life-threatening event or somebody in their circle, the friends or family that had that suddenly has shook them up and said, okay, I've got to really make a change. But as a society, we have all gone through a major event now, this pandemic, and so maybe this is really an opportunity to rethink and say, you know, what, what do I want to do uh, with my life right now? And how do I protect myself in the best possible way? Um, you know, we're all focusing on washing hands, wearing masks, social distancing. But what about really paying attention to chronic disease and trying to get a handle on that? Because... That can be extremely protective in the case of this pandemic, and, you know, we have a possibility of future ones. So that's how we can feel a little more empowered about our lives, I believe. 
Well, and you certainly have given us some good initial steps that we can take to really help empower ourselves to make better choices because all of these choices have a direct impact on our immune system and how the immune system functions and has the ability to fight disease. So I do want to thank you for sharing your amazing expertise expertise with us today on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show, You can also find the Meals to Meals Challenge, and that's something that one of those four commitments to make for 30 days, I'm going to eat more vegetables. That's what I'm going to do, and that's something that I guarantee I'm going to do my best to try. Thanks again for listening. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will see you next week when we talk more about health topics right here on The Body Show. (laughs) 